0: Ghosts of Arizona concludes with two creepy tales of hauntings that are a little weirder than normal. And then we travel to Northern California to meet a young father who's out hunting. When he's walking through the woods, he sees a shimmering portal appear before him. And he realizes he has a choice to make. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend, as you guys know. I've been talking about it about a month now. This weekend, May 14th, I will be at the McMinimins UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon. I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking so forward to this. This is really awesome. We're going to have a vendor's table up. We're going to be giving out free stickers. And speaking of that, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Give it up for Adam Carter. Woo, yeah. Come on in, buddy. Come on in. He's carrying in boxes full of stickers. Set him down over there. There's more boxes in the car. You can go grab those as well. Adam Carter, longtime supporter of the Show through the Patreon. Thank you very much for that. He also has provided us the art for one of our fan art Fridays. You'll see that right there. We've used it in the past as well, but this now has been turned into a sticker. And this is an exclusive sticker. The only way you can get the sticker is to come. You're like Jason. I wish you told me this before. The only way you can get the sticker is to be present at the. McMinniman's UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon. We did a limited run of 2,000 stickers. We're going to be giving these stickers out for free. And this is it. This is the official sticker for the McMinnimans UFO Festival 2022. Fantastic fan art. Thank you so much, Adam Carter. And I want to draw your attention to something real quick because I know I'll get emails about this. We changed the tagline of the show, but only for marketing purposes. Now over printing. I figured a coffee shop doesn't say... Coffee, bagel, muffin, coconut, candy shop, right? It's just a coffee shop. That's how they advertise themselves. Um, When I called it a daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast, that's what it is. When you walk into the coffee shop, (laughs) that's what you're getting. But for marketing purposes, you'll see we changed it to, say, a paranormal podcast. Because I think that sums it up best. It's succinct. But fear not, we will continue to cover conspiracies and true crime. As well as depressing and dark as that is sometimes. Adam Carter, thank you so much for designing this fan art. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Adam Carter, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit dune buggy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way out to Mesa, Arizona. Beam, bing, 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 bing. In Mesa, Arizona, there used to be a little coffee shop called Cafe Talk. It's a nice little place you could go to get a little coffee. (laughs) And maybe a cookie, biscuit, bagel, all the other stuff that coffee shops tend to have. In Cafe Talk, nowadays, it's a place called Inside the Bungalow. I believe it's still a food place. But you might want to call them up first before you go down there. You're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to go to this place on Dead Rabbit Radio. And it turns out they're selling bungalows. This place is on 48th North Robson. In Mesa, Arizona. This place has a haunted reputation. You can look at it online. And people have left comments about how haunted it is. Stuff they've experienced. Or stuff they've heard from people who work there. Back when it was Cafe Talk. But according to Shadowlands. the Shadowlands.net, Which a lot of you guys were really happy that website was still around. When I started mentioning it. It's a really cool website. It's just a repository of really cool hauntings. If you go into the back house. So apparently the Cafe Talk. You're like drinking your coffee and there's like a spooky shed in the back. Apparently there's a basement and that's haunted, but there's also apparently like a back house. In the back house, you can go back there and you can communicate with something. Apparently, if you go back there and you sit there for a while, something that was never human will tell you about your past. And, you like, Jason, I don't care about that. I know my own past. I didn't get bonked on the head before I came over here. I don't have amnesia. Well, sorry. I mean, still, it's a ghost, right? Some spirit telling you about your past. Don't. Why are you complaining? Why are you complaining? You're already at this coffee shop that's all spooky and stuff. And now you're complaining it's not spooky enough? Imagine if you walked into a place and you heard a ghost say, I remember you cheated on that test. That'd be spooky, right? You wouldn't be like, boring, I already knew that. I already knew that going in here. The fact that something new about your past, that would be creepy. Not only tells you about your past, it tells you about your future, too. Apparently, if you go to this back house at Cafe Talk, and now it's inside the bungalow, if you go to the back bungalow, you'll hear the voices of the damned tell you about your past and your future. But... After it tells you this tale, after it weaves this tale, it will say, For this, there is a price to pay. Now, to be fair, I did find a lot of people say that the cafe talk was haunted, that employees said the basement was haunted, that they had seen like glasses moving. Outside of the, sh- outside of the Shadowlands.net, no one else said, Oh, and the Crypt Keeper's in the back, and he'll go, For this, there is a price to pay. <laughs> yeah. No one else said that. To be fair, but I did, find it <laughs> I did find it online and I thought it was creepy. So I wanted to talk about it. How, you know, obviously the idea is its so interesting because who doesn't want to know about the future, right? I remember when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with knowing what my future was. When I say little kid, I mean, like, up into my 20s, I was, like, obsessed with the idea. I was like, oh, if only I could fall asleep for 100 years. I was always fascinated by the idea of being cryogenically frozen and skipping ahead 100, 200, 300 years. Like, and not necessarily even my future, but the future. But even then, I would settle with knowing what my future would be. I used to be really obsessed with that, and I kind of just got out of it. I don't know if that's a normal thing. I think everyone's kind of curious about their future, but I don't know if everyone's so obsessed with it. And I don't know if it's something you kind of get out of when you're older, but what price would you pay to know your future? That's really what the question is here. Like if I was a young man, if I was in my twenties, I'm not, I'm 45 now and I'm fine with just having the future be revealed to me day after day. But if I was in my twenties, what price would I pay? Would you sell your soul to know the future? No, I think that price is too high. Would you say, would you trade knowledge of your future but have 10 years of it shaved off? <laughs> and the first thing the guy goes, you're gonna die in ten years, you're all Ugh! and you die right then. Like at what point like what would be the price to know your future and it's interesting because as a man as an adult now at 45 nothing like I'd be like <laughs> I wouldn't even go back to the bungalow there's all these portals opening up and all these ghosts and I was like ah whatever I'm just going to drink this coffee do you have any bungalows on sale as well I I would go back there I wouldn't say that I want to go back there but I don't know what I don't wouldn't really pay a price to know my future and definitely wouldn't pay a price to know my past I know that one but what's interesting about this story is that you it doesn't tell you the price, right? You've already gotten the information. And then what if the price is too steep? What if the price is now you're allergic to chocolate and you're a dog? You're like, ah, you turn a little puppy. Actually, that'd be pretty cool playing basketball and stuff like that. But outside of outside of my Disney Channel movie fantasies, you like once you've already heard of the information, then you have to pay the price. It says that afterwards. Now there is a price to pay for this, but it doesn't tell us what the price is. I just find that fascinating because part of paranormal research is that quest for knowledge. And there's a little addition, additional thing to that. A scientist has a quest for knowledge. A historian has a quest for knowledge. But in paranormal, it's a quest for forbidden knowledge or unknowable knowledge. Stuff that may have driven other researchers mad. That's something that paranormal researchers constantly are dealing with. You have run of the mill UFO hunters, run of the mill ghost hunters, and stuff like that. But when you're like a hardcore paranormal researcher, you're constantly on that line of learning about the dark arts. Like, that's just something that plays a part in it. How often can you learn about ghosts, but be like, no, nah, I'm not, I don't want to know anything about demons. They're too spooky. <laughs> but bloody children hunting a graveyard? I'm totally down. You can't, you can't really, uh, you can't really divide it like that. When you go to research aliens, it's all kind of packaged in UFOs and gray aliens and reptilians and stuff like that. But none of those necessarily, like you can be aware of like the Galactic Federation, you're not at personal risk. But if you're learning about ghosts and then you start learning about demons and you start learning about like how to summon demons and these dark arts and this demonic knowledge and stuff like that, you're constantly walking further and further into the world of darkness. So there's no other way to do that. That's one of the drawbacks to being a paranormal researcher is that you're constantly walking away from the light of reality. I don't know where I was going with this. I don't know where I was going with this. It started off by walking to a coffee shop and a guy says you'll have a price to pay to know your future. But yeah, so like what would be that price? And as a parano as like a hardcore paranormal researcher, I think a lot of people are willing to pay any price. I don't think there are people who are like, I'll sell my soul to know if Bigfoot exists. And then a demon shows up and he goes, nope, he doesn't. And you're like, aw. As the demon's pulling your soul out, he's like, have a fun 40 years left on Earth and the rest of eternity in hell. You're like, oh man. But with paranormal research, you're constantly coming up against that sort of darkness. But what price would you pay? What price would you pay to know your future? Or none, because at this point, you know, my future is pretty dope. Um, I'm sure it'll continue along that line. Right? <laughs> That's how futures work, right? It's just once you hit a high point in your life, it's like that. It's smooth sailing till the end. Go ahead and leave behind Cafe Talk. We're walking down the street with our coffees and our bungalows in our pocket. We're going to go to Phoenix, Arizona now. And this, again, this is what's really cool about some of these haunted locations. We have exact addresses, or this one, at least the general area 19th Avenue, Northern Avenue. Right now, as we're walking down the street, we see it's an Albertson's. It's an Albertson's grocery store. But before it was an Albertson's grocery store, it used to be the Good Shepherd home for girls. This was a Catholic facility. So you had a bunch of nuns and you had a bunch of wayward girls there. And basically people would say, you know what? You're not being a good daughter. We're going to ship you off to the nun school. And you'd be like, oh man, it should have been a better daughter. But now I'm going to go <laughs> get slapped by nuns with rulers. And these girls would go there and the Good Shepherd Home for Girls was an operation from 1947 to 1981 and even when it was in operation there were a lot of stories about bad things happening there. Sometimes it was just like, "Oh, you don't want to go there. The nuns are going to spank you with rulers." Or, "You don't want to go there. The nuns are torturing girls in the basement." So somewhere in between, somewhere in between getting your hand slightly paddled with a piece of wood and being chained up by nuns, saying, God allows me to do this, as they're torturing you. I mean, somewhere in between those two is what you would find at Good Shepherd Home for Girls. So it should be no surprise that the Albertsons is considered to be a haunted location, right? You're going there, you're going to buy some bread, and then all of a sudden there's like this ghost nun floating down the aisle, and she's wagging her finger at you. She's like, that's not whole grain, you're eating that white bread that's just processed sugar. You're like, ah! You're running, and then you go to buy some Reese's Pieces, and the nun shows up. She's like, uh-uh, those aren't M&M's. Reese's Pieces are disgusting. And you're like, ah! And basically, like you go there with a shopping list, and there's a nun standing behind you with a ruler, and she's like having you scratch stuff off till eventually you just go home with a pear. It's all you have for the week. You just have one pair. That's one thing, the only thing the nun will allow you. And then when you get home, you're like, oh, well, I better go put this pair in my basement. And then There's a bunch of nuns in there and they're getting ready to torture you. You're like, no. The Albertsons grocery store is reportedly haunted, but the Good Shepherd home for girls was also reported to be haunted. Whatever hauntings was at this location preceded the torture nuns. We had the Good Shepherd Home for Girls built. And then that went that got shut down in 1981. And then he had a, quite a long period of time, like two or three decades, for the Albertsons was built. You basically just have these old abandoned buildings that were reportedly haunted. And so teenagers are constantly breaking into these buildings, walking around. And it was a classic ghost stuff at this point. People said that you could hear the sounds of whimpering in empty hallways. no, no. no. And the teenagers are like, do you know the future? Do you know the future, whimpering young girl who's being tortured by ghosts? Do you know the future? Nah, let's go get some coffee. But that, again, is just typical ghost stuff, right? We've handled all that stuff before. What I find so interesting about this is to this day, so now the the Torture Nun School is destroyed. It's Albertsons. But during the time of the Torture Nun School, and after it was abandoned, and now that it's an Albertsons, this is so creepy to me. I can't think of another time I've come across a haunting like this. Apparently, like this has been a long-standing haunted site, a haunted phenomenon in this area. On certain nights, under certain conditions, underneath the light of the moon, and I don't think everyone, anyone's ever been able to put together a pattern for this, but On certain nights when the moon shines down from the sky, there's an area where three gravestones appear. It's this little patch of a field in this location. It's like a little patch of the field behind the Albertsons. They'll have these three gravestones appear late at night. There's a large gravestone, and then on either side there's two smaller gravestones. But during the day, and really on most nights as well, it's just an empty lot. It's just an empty parcel of land. I find it interesting that this haunting outlasted the Good Shepherd home, right? It was visible when people would break into these abandoned buildings. It was visible in the 80s. And now, apparently, people say they can still see it today. There's a little part. And you have to wonder, why didn't Albertson's go over that patch of land as well. Maybe they had all the square footage they needed. Maybe the building was as big as the city would allow it. (laughs) Maybe maybe, as they were doing a survey of the land, the general contractors were like, okay, so here we're going to put your frozen food. Here we're going to put all of your baked goods. And I don't recommend putting anything over here because last night I saw three spectral gravestones. So why don't we just have that as an undeveloped patch of land? Trust me, you don't want to disturb these ghost graves. And they're like, thank you, general contractor. And as he's walking away, it's a nun. It's a ghost nun. Ghost nun's like, "Woo! I'm sure glad I took that general contracting school and I'm still alive. And now I can decide where Alvinsons are built. That was God's true purpose for me. It's still apparently there. You can see these three gravestones. What I find so terrifying when I read this story, and I found this story in multiple locations. This wasn't just on the Shadowlands.net. My first inclination, again, talking about paranormal research, is what's in those graves? Like, that's some straight-up Indiana Jones stuff, right? Like, at a certain time, there's three graves there. There's three gravestones. Could you dig them up? And I would argue that during the day, if you dug up that plot of land, there'd be nothing there. I mean, there could be three skeletons, right? There could be three people who died. But what I find so interesting about it is the way reality can sometimes warp Is that if you went there during the day and dug up, like you know exactly where those gravestones are and you dug it up, there'd be nothing there. But if you went there at night, when those three gravestones were visible and dug right there, what would you find? Like I feel this is less of a haunting and more of a alternate reality or a different dimension being placed on top of ours. You could dig up the whole area and there could be nothing there. And people go, oh, it's just an urban legend. But if you went back there late at night and saw those gravestones and dug right there, you would find something there. You're now accessing this other reality. And who would have the guts to do that? Like I, I It's so interesting because ghosts are very fleeting, right? The idea of so many ghost stories is... You see something out of the corner of your eye or you're standing in your bathroom and you look in the mirror and there's a bloody woman standing behind you. All of that stuff, right? You turn around, she's gone, right? She's never like, you turn around, she's like, fancy a drink. And then like she walks out to your living room and she's like making martinis and stuff like that. She's like, let me tell you about your past. (laughs) Let me tell you all about the past. You spend a lot of time in the bathroom and pewee, isn't that smelly? And You are like, oh, great. I'm going to get judged by this ghost. Generally, it's fleeting. Even though it may be in the location all the time, you have someone who dies in location, they're there all the time, you're getting ready to do the big play, and you know Walter's gonna be walking around. That's such a famous ghost story, they're pretty much everywhere, like a Phantom Hitchhiker. But to see a location, right, to see gravestones, it's not fleeting, you're actually looking at them. It's objects that are physically there, and it's not like you turn away and they're gone, they're there. It's a marker. It's a permanent marker, we just can't access it most of the time. On a rare occasion, underneath the light of the moon, you can see these three gravestones. Digging those up would be, I think, catastrophic. I think you'd be accessing something that reality was actually keeping us away from. So it was blocking it for most of the time. What a way to end haunted Arizona week! I actually have more Arizona haunted Arizona stuff, but I don't want to just continue to do a month of haunted Arizona stuff. We were doing a lot of it this week, but what—that's so creepy. Like to have those locations, and I believe, I believe that stuff like this is possible, 100%. The idea that you can go to locations and have these communications with spirits. I, going back to the cafe talk thing, I think that's probably a place where just the veil is very thin i mean it could be a made-up story right these all every story i cover on here could be made up but it could be a place where the veil is so thin that something is able to speak to you and arizona has a long reputation a very long reputation of having a very permeable barrier between our reality and the next and that's actually a great segue for the next story adam carter Let's toss you the keys of the Carboner Copter. We're leaving behind Phoenix, Arizona. We're headed all the way up to Northern California. I just came across this story the other day. I came across it on Tuesday, and I was like, man, this is a great way to finish out the week. What a what a cool and creepy story. It was posted online by someone going by the name Nobody Is Here 71. I really want to point this out. I like pointing this out. I was looking through his posting history, and it's just a bunch of normal stuff. Just a bunch of normal stuff. These what makes these stories feel so authentic, right? You post about just random stuff, stuff that's going on in their life, stuff they have questions for, and then they post this absolutely bizarre story, and it just adds that credibility to it. This story isn't necessarily his. It's actually happened to his father. And we're going to go ahead and give his father the name of Peter. The story takes place in the early 1970s. The reason why we're in Northern California is there's a little homestead near the Klamath River in Northern California. The Klamath River, this location, he's by the town, or the, the biggest town there, the closest to is Eureka. Not Eureka. Why Rika? Why Maybe? And so, anyways, Peter is a dad. He has a wife and a little baby. A little baby that eventually will post online under the name Nobody Is Here 71. And this is just an outdoorsy family, right? they got this little homestead by the river. And Peter goes out hunting all the time. He knows this area very well. Specifically, he's hunting through the Shasta Trinity Forest area. Now, Mount Shasta has a long history of being connected to paranormal activity. So this story, again, tracks for this area. So one day, Peter goes out hunting in the woods. A couple hours later, he comes back home. And his wife's sewing something. I mean, it's not, she's not Laura Ingalls Wilds. This is not Little House on the Prairie, but I don't know. Maybe she was sewing, I'm assuming. And she's, she's stitching up the baby. The baby fell down. She's like, oh no, hope Peter doesn't come back before. She, I'm done stitching up this baby. She's putting this baby back together like Cabbage Patch doll. And Peter walks in and he looks at his wife and he looks at his baby. He's like, oh my God, what happened to my kid while I was gone? He looked like Frankenstein's monster. Peter... Turns to his wife and says, dude, you won't believe what happened. You won't believe what happened to me in the woods. She's like, (laughs) she's like anything to distract me from my monster, baby. Please tell me this story, Peter. Peter goes, I was hunting in the woods. I was hunting in the Shasta Trinity area. I've been here a lot. I've hunted this area for a long time. I know the woods and I saw something. As I was walking, all of a sudden. A portal opened up in front of me. And I'm looking at this. Looking at this gateway to somewhere. Like, I know it. I know this was a portal. Not like I'd ever seen one before. Not like I'd have ever experienced something like this before. But I knew in my soul what I was looking at. This was a gateway to somewhere else. And I wanted to go in. I wanted to step into that portal. I wanted to step through that doorway. And find out what was on the other side. But even though I'd never seen a portal before, even though I'd never experienced anything like this, I knew, I knew once I stepped through this portal, I could never come back. It was a one-way trip. I just knew it. And I wanted to walk into that portal, but I would never see you again. I'd never see our baby again. I'd never see home again. Six months later, Peter is working at his brother's restaurant. He's working the graveyard shift. He's up all night serving customers. When the morning comes, he sits back, he drinks some coffee with his brother, they talk for a bit, and Peter gets in his car and drives down, and he actually visits some other friends, and he sits there and he's drinking coffee with his friends, having a good morning, just chatting it up. But now it's time to go home. He hops in his car, and as he's headed back down the road, driving alongside the Klamath River. According to police investigations, what happened was he fell asleep at the wheel, lost control of his car. His car slammed into the mountainside, because they could see paint from his car on the mountain, and then... Damage to his car. And the police believe that when he fell asleep driving his car, he lost control. He slammed into the mountainside and that knocked him unconscious. And then the car drove off the road into the Klamath River and he drowned. This story is, this story really kind of stuck with me. Standing there looking at this portal and having to make the decision about whether or not to step inside of it. When I was 20, I had a family that loved me, but I would have stepped through the portal. At 45, I still have a family that loves me. I'm assuming that I haven't burned many bridges. But would I step through the portal now? If I had, you know, my family is. My family that I grew up with, if I had like a wife and a kid, I even in my 20s, I may not have stepped through that portal. But maybe? Maybe my baby's like, Papa, Papa, I'm like, see you later, loser. I'm going to the other side. Papa, leave me. But that's life, isn't it, right? You're giving these choices. He stumbles upon something that so many people... Would love to see. Wouldn't think twice about walking through that. We covered this story a long time ago about that guy in Arizona who kept wanting to jump off a cliff because he thought a portal would show up and like the people in town had to keep stopping him. And here's this guy just out hunting one day and he comes across proof of other dimensions, alternate realities, gateways to another world. He just stumbles upon something that people spend their entire life searching for. He decides not to walk through that portal, an experience that a minute number of humans throughout history will ever have standing in front of a portal to another world. I mean, it truly is statistically extremely rare, right? It's so rare, people don't believe they exist. People believe they can't exist. It's that impossible sounding, but here he is. And he chose not to do it, and then he died six months later. That's why this story sticks with me. He said, no, I want to be with my family. And he only had from that moment on six months to be with his family. Had he known then, had he gone to Cafe Talk in Mesa, Arizona? Had he known when he looked at that portal that he only had six months left to live on Earth in this reality? If he knew at that moment in six months he would be dead, do you think he would have walked through that portal? Would six more months with his family be worth not going here? So fascinating. This this story just I find so intriguing because he had a choice and he chose to stay, but in the end, he didn't have a choice. Six months later, he died. He was going one way or the other and he could have taken... The journey that we all take, right? We are all going to pass on. We are all going to die. Billions upon billions of people throughout history and trillions going forward will die. Or he could have taken the path that happens to, what, maybe 10,000 people throughout history? Maybe 5,000, 1,000 people throughout all of human history passing through one of these portals. Of course, his family would have just thought he got lost in the woods. There would have been search parties. They wouldn't have found any trace of him. His wife would always wonder what happened to him. She'd be thinking the worst. Got kidnapped. He fell in a crevasse and was screaming for help until he slowly died of exposure. She wouldn't even think. he walked through a portal. So is going back, was stepping away from that portal to spare his wife those years of wondering what happened to Peter. Was that worth it? Like, to give her peace of mind? I mean, dying in a car accident is pretty brutal, but it's better than just not knowing. Just never knowing what happened to her husband, to the father of her child. What if, what if, what if he had stepped through that portal and entered this new world and possibly lived much longer than six months? He also could have been (laughs) shredded into spaghetti by some creature, killed him instantly, but what if? Right? This is really one of those stories we hear about people disappearing in the woods and maybe it's something paranormal like missing 411. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is them falling. Maybe it is them getting lost. Maybe it is them getting kidnapped. But here we have a story of a guy who saw the portal, decided not to enter it, and then died six months later. To me, that just seems like a cruel joke. He had a choice to go on this once in a lifetime journey, that even makes it minimizes it right There's, These are so rare. he had the chance to go on this journey, and he chose not to to be with his family and Then fate took him from his family anyways. When Peter walked into the woods that day, he thought he was just going to go on a normal hunting trip like he's done so many times in the past. instead, he was confronted with proof that the world is not what it seems. But six months later, his family was reminded that the world is what it seems. Random chaos. Unpredictability. Maybe there is an advantage to knowing what the future holds for you, no matter the price. He could have either known the future and avoided the car accident, or known that there was no way to avoid his death six months from now and stepped through that portal. Peter was offered a choice that day to enter the portal or to walk back home. But I know whether or not Peter was destined to die six months after that, or if he lived a long life he would spend every day of that life asking the question, what if? Radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabber Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.